steps in the right direction. My weekly market review, November 27th, 2022. It was a quiet week, so let's take the opportunity to zoom out a bit, look at the bigger picture and see where we stand in the ongoing saga of this bear market. There wasn't too much to take from a choppy vacation shortened week with increasingly thin attendance and extremely low volume ahead of and right after the Thanksgiving holiday. We got the minutes from the last Fed meeting earlier this month, which raised interest rates by three quarters of a percent, and they clearly showed that a substantial majority of those present judged that a slowing in the pace of rate increases would likely soon be appropriate. And it was noted that some participants expressed concerns about the potential negative impacts on the financial system if the Fed continued to pursue its aggressive rate hiking policy at the current high octane pace. This appeared to confirm the momentum that seems to be building among investors that the Fed will indeed slow the pace of tightening as soon as at, at its next meeting in early December and is now not far from its terminal rate, the Fed funds rate on the day that they announced the end to interest rate increases. We also saw some strong quarterly earnings reports from retailers. Best Buy posted solid Q3 results and raised its 2022 financial sales projection. Dick's Sporting Goods, Abercrombie & Fitch and American Eagle Outfitters also gave upbeat outlooks. What the market needs to see is slowing but not collapsing economic growth and a tangible downward shift in inflation. And that's a nice segue to a quick review of our ongoing three keys to a market bottom. Key number one. Inflation clearly peaks and then declines, and the Fed openly pulls back from its current hawkish stance. This is by far the most important key of all when it comes to finding a bottom to this bear market. If inflation can get back down to the 3-5% area, that will probably make the Fed back off the hawkish rhetoric, likely resulting in a sustainable bottom in stocks. Based on the most recent data, inflation does now appear to have peaked in the US, and that obviously needed to happen before we can hope for progress on the remaining two fronts. Meaningfully declining inflation and peak Fed hawkishness, although neither of those appear that imminent. Where are we now? A step in the right direction, but a lot further to go. Key number two. Chinese lockdowns ease and growth resumes. Over the past few weeks, Chinese officials have signaled that there will be substantive changes to COVID policies, including more targeted lockdowns that don't paralyze entire cities, shorter quarantine times for international travelers, and the importation of proper COVID vaccines, among others. While we are not expecting to hear an explicit declaration that China will abandon its zero COVID policy, a process of moving away from that policy has clearly begun. It will, however, take a good amount of time for the Chinese economy to return to a pre-COVID normal. Where are we now? Notwithstanding some reported outbreaks and sporadic lockdowns last week, movement towards this goal is definitely underway. Key number three, geopolitical tensions decline. Positively, global commodity prices have fallen, but these declines haven't been as the result of reduced geopolitical tensions. Instead, it's been the result of the commodities markets pricing in the rising chances of a global recession, 
Regarding geopolitics, we have seen some progress over the last month, in spite of the Poland rocket story. Diplomatic chatter about working to find a ceasefire has definitely increased over the past weeks, with Russian, Ukrainian and US officials all making guardedly positive comments about potential talks, which is a noticeable improvement over the situation a while back when there appeared to be no chance that would materialize. Where are we now? More hopeful than for a very long time, although it should be emphasized that nothing has actually happened yet. The overall macro takeaway from these three keys is net positive in terms of the direction in which things are going, but less so perhaps at the pace of progress. There's still an awful lot of work to do, but the last time we took a hard look at these keys in late summer, early fall, the outlook was far more dismal on all fronts. There's still an ongoing drumbeat of other factors in the background, of course. Not least the ongoing and increasingly jaw-dropping story of the collapse of the FTX crypto exchange. Last week, we learned from FTX's own lawyer that a substantial amount of the company's assets is missing, very possibly stolen. He said that FTX had been under the control of inexperienced and unsophisticated individuals, some or all of whom were compromised individuals, clearly pointing the finger squarely at Sam Bankman-Fried, the former man crush of crypto bros everywhere, now cowering in his luxury apartment in the Bahamas, awaiting the inevitable and long overdue knock on the door from the authorities. The trademark scruffy t-shirt and ripped jeans could well be replaced soon by an orange jumpsuit. Venture capital firm Sequoia Capital came out and apologized to investors for its $150 million loss on FTX and vowed to improve its due diligence before making risky investments in the future. Now, there's a revolutionary idea. As the terrific Jason Zweig of the Wall Street Journal put it, in good times when markets are booming, Taking stupid risks doesn't stop you from getting rich quick. If anything, it can even help. But if you want to get rich slowly and stay rich reliably, you have to learn to avoid taking stupid risks. That's what down markets are for. They don't just separate people from their money. They also separate people into those who learn from mistakes and those who don't. <laughs>